good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? You guys can be seated. Before we get into the message, we want to just take a moment and we just want to thank the Holy Spirit for his presence. I just sense the presence of God here so strong. And we've been coming, we come, we serve at some of the various locations that Celebration has, but we get to come here every month. We actually requested to come here once a month because the presence of God is just so sweet in this place. And so we're just so thankful that we have the opportunity to just be here with you. But will you just, just center your heart for a moment and let's just thank the Holy Spirit for being here. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your presence. God, I thank you that you do healing work in your midst. God, I thank you that you equip your people. God, I thank you that you see us. Holy Spirit, we steward your presence well. Help us to get out of the way so you can do the work that only you can do in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, like Pastor Robert said, um, I am Tara, and this is Todd, and we're going to just kind of share with you. Can we just kind of talk like family this morning? Is that all right with y'all? So we have, um, just so you guys know, because I know a lot of you don't know us personally, we have three kids. I think we actually put a family photo up here, but yep, so, those yeah. are our girls. They're all in C Kids right now. We've got Lydia, who is our oldest, and then we have Anna, who is, she is just, how do you describe Anna? She is just the most joyful. Joyful. She's one of those kids that like, you're like, just just walk normal because she's constantly she's skipping everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. She's always bouncing. But she's just, she got, she's just got so much joy. It's yes. not even just energy, just joy. Yes. And, and then we got Benson. For those of you who don't know Benson, you will know Benson as soon as you meet Benson. Benson is just... She's Benson. She's Benson. Yeah. I don't know There's how no to describe way. it other than that. She's Introduce yourself to her. You know what we're talking exactly, about afterwards. Exactly. Exactly. She's very, she eats a lot. She's just very, when she enters a room, she fully enters the room, no matter how she feels. She's just fully there. And then I think we also have a picture of the most important member of our family. It's Carl. It's Carl. Uh, that's Carl. It's he's Carl. he's we, our buddy. We actually have more than one dog, but that's the only one we like to talk about. So that's <laughs> Carl. <laughs> he is He is just... He's Carl. You can see he's just a sweetie. So uh, before we get any further, we uh, we obviously want to take a moment and uh, just honor your your pastors here at OP, Pastor uh, Robert and Pastor Carmen. Uh, aren't they just wonderful people? I I I love the you know the, Paul makes the statement that you know you have in in First Corinthians he's talking about all the spiritual leaders that they have and he says but you don't have many fathers and and in this day and age uh, that's 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 often still true that the the calling of someone who's just a shepherd who just loves people um, is, is often a rare gift. And Pastor Robert and Pastor Carmen definitely have that. And then we also want to, to honor our, our lead, lead pastors, Pastors uh, Tim and uh, Pastor Jen Timberlake, uh, just dynamic, dynamic people. If you haven't had an opportunity uh, to meet them the next time that you're in the same room, make sure to go up and, and to say hi. They're just unbelievably uh, wonderful people. So we're so thankful for their leadership and for entrusting us with, with this time that we have together. Yeah. So as we were praying together and as we, we were trying to discern what the Holy Spirit had to say, we felt like there was a very specific message that God had for this specific congregation. And 
Um, we really kind of wanted to dive into that, and, and we're going to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit as, as we speak, because we may want to hunker down on just one or two points specifically, but we just really want you guys to understand that God sees you. He sees everything that you have walked through and that he, he's equipping you for the work that he's called you to do. And he has a purpose and a plan, no matter what your age is, no matter how long you've been serving the Lord, he has a purpose for you and for your life and that he's not done with you yet. And so if you guys have your Bibles, if you could open up to Psalm 3415, Psalm 3415, if you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, nope, nope, not yet, not yet. All right. So let's go ahead and read this together. It says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. And that's one of those things that I, I think often about the, the exodus. When, when you look at the, the Hebrew children in captivity for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, the, the writer of, of uh, Genesis begins with uh, this statement that God heard the cries of his people coming out of Egypt. And, and that whole narrative that ended up with the 10 plagues that uh, were brought upon Egypt and the deliverance of the, the Hebrew children and crossing the, the sea and, and, and coming into the promised land, all of that began with one thing, and that's God hearing the cry of his people, God seeing the plight that they were in, God seeing their everyday struggles, God seeing their everyday hardships. And, and when I think about that, I, I often think, you know, we can, we, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this here in just a second, uh, we'll talk about the other side of this, but that, that means that God sees still to this day, God sees his church. He sees Celebration Orange Park. He sees all of our triumphs. He sees all of our struggles. He sees all of our victories and he sees all of our defeats. He sees those things that we get excited about and those things that keep us up at night. And it's important for us, you know, it's, it's easy to say that, right? It's easy, oh yeah, God sees, of course, he's God, right? But think about that, just dwell on that for a second that right in this moment, that, the, that wor the words to that song, the king is among us, that Jesus, the ruler of all the universe, the conqueror over death itself, sees us in this room. He sees us right here in Orange Park. He sees us on this date in 2021. Now, one of the things that I think is important to, to note that you actually brought up when we were preparing this is that it's, and I want, I want you to speak to this better because you, you have a better understanding of this than I do, but that it's, it's, another, it's one thing to just kind of say from a macro level, like 30,000 feet, yeah, God sees the church. He sees his church. That's great. But it's another thing to internalize that, that God sees me. He sees you. Yeah. You know, a little background on me. I grew up in a very spiritually abusive home. It was very authoritarian. It was very um, structured in probably not a very healthy way at all. And um, so the idea that God saw me was a very scary thing to me. Because when, when my father saw me, it was rarely a good thing. It, it, was, it was something that I didn't really want to have happen. Unless he was in a good mood, right? So like for me... 
the idea that my heavenly father saw me was scary. And I remember really wrestling and, and just kind of, kind of being like, yeah, God sees me. God loves me because I'm a part of his macro church. God sees everything. But then to internalize that and go, no, no, he, he sees me. Like he hears my cries and that's not a bad thing. He's a loving father. It was actually a really difficult lesson for me. And I actually remember um, when I was in, in college, that's where we met, was in Bible college. And I was going through a really difficult period of time. I was really wrestling kind of with the trauma and the realities of my, my upbringing. And, and I was lonely. I was so lonely and I had so much pain in my heart. And I was like, God, do you even see me? Like, do you even like see who I am on the inside? Like, do you even care? And I remember I was in the corner and it was after chapel was over because we had chapel every single day in Bible college. Like we went to church. We were really every, saved. It was every saying? single day. Yeah. And, we, <laughs> and we, were, we were having altar time at the end. And I was over in the far back corner of the chapel. I was all by myself. And we had these long like ceiling to floor like stained glass windows. And you could kind of sit in the ledge there. You know, you could kind of, it was like an old church kind of feel. And I, I was curled up in the ledge, and I had my knees wrapped around me, and I, I was just silently crying out from my inmost being. I'm like, God, do you see me? Like, I know it's not possible. I know you can't do this. But if you really love me, if you really, really do, can you please come down from heaven and, and just hug me? I know you can't, but, but can you? I, I know it's not possible, but please. And I was just in my inner being just crying out. And I kid you not, I feel arms wrap around me. And it shocked me. It shook me up. And I, I look up, and it was one of my professors. She, her name was uh, Sister Johnson. She wrapped her arms around me as tight, and she was holding me tight. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't audibly praying this. This was an inner cry of my heart. And she said, I was standing on the other side of the chapel, and the Holy Spirit told me, stand up and go hug my daughter for me. And I melted in her arms. I wept because God saw me. And then he used someone else to be his tangible arms to wrap around me and let me know that he loved me and that he saw me, and he knew my pain, and he was there. You see, the, the, the eyes of the Lord really are on the righteous. He really is attentive to our cry. And I don't know about you, the last, the last year and a half or so has been kind of rough, right? For no, you know, no particular reason, global pandemic, you know, all political unrest, all that good stuff, you know? And if, if we're truly honest, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But if we were to take an account of our pain in this room, who has lost someone, who has lost a job, who has almost lost a job, who's taken a pay cut, who's had a relationship turn south, who's currently uncertain about the future, who's worried about their health or the health of a loved one, we are to take an account of that trauma, 
I would venture to guess it would be pretty severe. There's a sense in which our, our society, but even us in this room, are wounded. We're going through some stuff. But I'm here to tell you that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to our cry. Every struggle, every hardship. And here's the thing, the, the inevitable question that is ages old is why the pain? Why does God allow pain? Why does he allow suffering? And I'm not here to give you some cookie cutter, for, like fortune cookie kind of theo, theology pop, I don't know, answer. Because I don't know. But what I do know is that the God of this universe came down and he identified with our pain. He entered into our suffering. Henry Nouwen, a theologian from years ago, uh, refers to Jesus as the wounded healer. Because in the midst of our brokenness, John 1 says that Jesus saw us and entered into our humanity. The, the message translation says that he took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. So when we're going through something, when we're, when we're dealing with struggle, when we're dealing with hardship, when we're dealing with pain, we can rest in the reality that Jesus, the one that we serve, says, son, daughter, I'm here. I'm right here. With, I've, I've been there. I've experienced some stuff too. And I'm not leaving you until we're through this storm. And even then, I'm with you on the other side. But hear me with this. God doesn't just see us in our pain. He doesn't just see us in, in our struggle. He sees us in our sin. Right now, in, in the worst condition, in the worst situation you can imagine yourself in, that time you lost your temper, that time you cheated on your taxes, that time you did this or did that, God sees all of that. Now, if, 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 I, if I channel my my. Uh, fundamentalist Pentecostal upbringing. I turned that to a Turner Burn kind of sermon right there. But the reality is, when you look at the parable of the prodigal son, you see the action when the son returns home, you see the action of the father. He doesn't stand cross-armed, cross judgmental, angry, bitter. When the son comes home, he doesn't make him do penance. He doesn't make him recount all of his wrongdoing. What does he do? He runs out to greet him. He throws his cloak around him and then kills the fattened calf because believe it or not, and this is the scandalous nature of the gospel, believe it or not, God is not, he sees you and he's not looking for a reason to discard you. He's not searching for a reason to throw you out in the cold with the pigs. He sees you and he's standing there with his cloak saying, come home. Come home, take, take my honor, take my glory, take my righteousness as your own. Let it cover you and let's go eat. Let's go kill the fattened calf. And that's, that is the beauty of the gospel. The scandalous part in its application is that applies to our neighbor as well. That applies to that person that, that doesn't vote like us, that doesn't look like us, that doesn't act like us, that walks differently than us that views the world differently than us. That is the scandalous part of the gospel. And I think when we think about God seeing us, it's not just so he can see us, 
It's because there are other people in this world that need to know he sees them too. And I love the scripture. It talks about how suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. It's that certainty, that knowledge that God is who he is and he does what he says he can do. And he uses us to share that message with others. And so in the lesson of learning that God sees us, he's using that to help us understand that he is supplying as well. And what I mean by that is, is he uses us to, to meet the needs of other people. It is through our testimony, right? We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony that others' faith is built up as well. And so he uses us. I think of Christina. Christina does outreach out here. She's, she does an amazing job doing outreach and doing, yeah, honor Christina. She puts in so much work. But Christina could just get a check every single week and just go do what she has to do. But instead, what God has done is surrounded her with relationships. He surrounded her with people in the community that say, you know what, I can meet that need. And then you guys step up and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet that need. And then you have people in the community that say, I have a need, and here we come as a church of Orange Park transforming the city for the gospel because he's using relationship to equip the people of God to do his work. When you look at the, that story that Tara told, God supplied that need, but he used someone else to do it. Yep. He didn't enter the earth in his incarnate form again, and do it himself, that's what he's entrusted us to do. We are his representation, his hands and his feet. We are, uh, as uh, uh, my youth pastor growing up used to say, we are Jesus with skin on. Jesus still got skin in heaven. He's still in his bodily form, but you know what I'm saying. We are Jesus with skin on. So when we say, the writer of Hebrews says, may he equip you, he being God, with all you need, for doing his will, may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. That equipping, that producing comes through one another. Yeah. I, want you to th I want you to do something for me real quick. Close your eyes. Okay? Close your eyes. And I want you to imagine right now or to think of, you don't have to say it out loud, you don't have to whisper it or anything like that. But just think of your greatest need in this moment right now. Think about it. You got it? There's a solid chance that that need can be met by someone else in this room. Think about it. If it's tangible, if it's a material need, there are those of us who are in a season of harvest and those of us who are in a season of lack, right? That's actually the way the body of Christ was meant to function. If it's a marriage issue, you have seasoned veterans in their relationship that I see all throughout this building that can pour some wisdom into you. If it's a renewed fervor for the gospel, you got your soul winners in this room as well. Whatever that need is that you're thinking of, there's a solid chance the answer to that need is in the room. Now, close your eyes again. Part B of this exercise. I want you to think of yourself, all of your skills, what God has blessed you with. 
there's a solid chance that you are the supply for someone else's need in this room. You see, you can open your eyes now. We are knit together. This Jesus, serving Jesus thing, this church thing, isn't just something we come to on Sunday. It's not something that, you know, oh, I said that prayer, I filled out the card, I attended the class, so, you know, bingo, bango, I'm, I'm good, I'm gonna go to heaven. That's not the way that the Jesus way of life is meant to be lived out. It's meant to be lived out together in sometimes awkward transparency and authenticity, not coming with the church face, but coming and recognizing these are my brothers and sisters. How many of y'all got a brother and sister that can get on your nerves every once in a while, right? Right, you got that cousin, if, you, if you know, classic line, if you can't think of that brother or sister, I hate to break it to you, you're that brother or sister, right? But Despite the, the difficulty, the, the messiness of relationship, this is exactly the task to which God has called us so we can supply one another for every need so that he can produce in us good fruit. Yeah. So God sees us, and then he uses us to help other people, and he equips us for the work that he's called us to do so that he can send us. There is a hurting world out there. And this is an incubator. This is a place of healing, right? We get to enter the presence of God as a community. We get to hear from one another. We get to learn from one another. We get to sit. Some of my favorite moments, honestly, has been when I have sat with the elders of the church and listened to their stories. My faith gets challenged because there's a depth to the things that they've walked through. There's a depth when they say things like, God's gonna supply. I go, what is a story that gives you that certainty? Tell me that story. Like there is a depth behind it. And so we have that in this mixture, right? We get to see that every single week and throughout the week as we serve together. But there is a community that does not have that. They are doing this on their own without the Holy Spirit's work in their lives, moving and active, without the, the presence of God infiltrating their homes, and they have nothing. What kind of message can be shared when you say, Look at what God has done in my life. I remember actually being at the altar and praying over some of the youth a few years back. And, and I remember seeing this girl, and I remember walking over to her, and I was like, I just, I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants you to understand that he sees you. I understood the depth of what that meant. She, she just broke. But it was, it was that cycle, right? Sister Johnson knew what it was like to know God needs to give this person a hug because she had walked through that. And then I was able to receive, and then I was able to reproduce. And so God sends his church. And sometimes when we think send, we think global. Missions trips are great. And God does send people overseas and to go over and live with other, you know, in other lands to, to share the gospel. But that work is for here. And it's for now. You want to read the Great Commission and kind of talk through some of 
some of that. Yeah, absolutely. So we see this movement from God sees his church. He sees what we're going through. He sees uh, our condition. He sees what he desires to do in us. Then he brings us together in relationship he, to, for the purpose of supplying us, to cultivate a community that is a foretaste of heaven, right? An appetizer, if you will. You ever been to like Costco or Sam's Club or something? You see the, you know, the those beautiful people on the aisle caps with cook, cooking up some goodness, right? And they they are just giving that liberally away, you know. Like you could get like forty of them, you know. That once in a while, you bite into some vegan bacon or something, and it's very disappointing. You like but for part the most your part, hair on the other side so you can walk by again right, and pretend yeah, yeah. like you're another right. person. Oh, this is the first time I've been here. And you wait for the shift to change, but. What, what is that? It, it's so good. That's wonderful, right? But what that is, is a little bite that points to something greater, right? Because the real deal is down the aisle. And you could pick that up, pay $14.95, go home and have as much of it as you want so your heart's content, right? The, the real thing is a bigger and better and more perfected uh, fulfillment of what that little appetizer is. That's what we are doing in this church. That's what Celebration OP has been called and to put into this city to do is to be an appetizer of the kingdom of God, a foretaste of what's to come. So when people come in here and they see your smiling faces, they, they, see, your, uh, they, uh, they see you interact with one another, they don't think, oh man, I don't, the, the idea is that they not leave thinking, oh man, the, that couple preached so good, or man, that worship was crazy, it was amazing, like blah, blah. But they leave thinking, it smells like bread and tastes like wine. There's, there's this tangible representation of the table that we come to where we celebrate and we rehearse the death, burial, and resurrection of our king. That we are a foretaste of his soon and coming return. So God sees, God supplies, and then like what Tara said, it's this sending action that he does next, that he sends us, not necessarily to the ends of the earth, though that can be the case. In fact, in the Great Commission says this in Matthew 28, uh, 18 through uh, 20, it says, Jesus came near and spoke to them and said, I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. I've received all authority. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything I've commanded you. And then he follows it up with, look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. Now, the interesting thing is a lot of Greek scholars actually believe that there's a little wordsmithing that is actually necessary in the way that this is traditionally uh, translated to where it says, if you want to put up the second version, it actually should, should read, as you're going, Jesus came near and spoke to them, I've received all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, as you go, disciple among all the nations. So there is this movement of going to the ends of the earth to reach unreached people groups with the message of the gospel. But there's also this, this, it, 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 this rendering interjects this idea that as I'm going about my life, as I'm at Publix, as I'm at work, as I'm sitting around the table with my family, disciple. And that doesn't mean, you know, sit down with a track and go through this and that. Discipling often looks a lot more like parenting than it does a classroom, right? How many of y'all got kids in this room, right? How many times, show of hands, have you ever sat down and said, son, daughter, I shall parent you now? 
No, that's weird. And if you did, your kids would look at you like you're crazy, right? I mean, they look at you crazy without saying that, right? But the, the reality is, is parenting happens in the moment. It happens on occasion. It happens in the consistency of presence in time. And over the course of time, that child that literally couldn't hold their head up at the beginning by themselves is driving away to college, is starting a family and a career because of that consistency over time and occasion of, inf- of reinforcing well, baby, this, this is how I would handle this situation. Or, hey, let's go to the grocery store, and then a question pops up. Those are the kind of moments that result in parenting, and they are also the kind of moments that we're referring to when Jesus is saying, as you're going about your life, disciple. As you're in your community, disciple all nations, regardless of who they are, regardless of their walk of life. When the nations, when you go to the nations or the nations come to us, we are responsible for the task of discipling. But the interesting thing is that the way Jesus follows us up, and this part often gets dropped off the edge, said, look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. Jesus doesn't just send us off as though we were being exiled to you know, a, a faraway land, but he's already there. He's in your workplace, already working in the hearts of people. He's in the grocery store, creating that opportunity. The Holy Spirit is everywhere, creating opportunities, and our responsibility then is to have discernment, to have an eye that says, ah, Holy Spirit, I see you at work. I'm gonna step up to this task and I'm gonna come alongside this person a little bit. That is what this sending cadence looks like. It's not sending you downtown to stand on a milk crate and tell people to turn or burn. It looks more like inviting your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers to your home, sitting around your table and creating space for the Holy Spirit to do what he naturally does. All we're there to do is to be a willing vessel. All we're there to do is to be a presence, a representation of Jesus, Jesus with skin on. Yeah, and and when you look at that, that what that is, is that's a continuation of what has been happening since Jesus came. When we enter into that, when we enter into that discipling of others, we are entering into the story of the church for centuries It makes me think of of all of the stories that you hear of the disciples when it says they laid hands on them and people were healed and those that were oppressed by demons were free and those whose eyes were blinded were opened again. When we enter into that process and allow the Holy Spirit to use us, no matter what stage in life we are in, we are entering into that story. It makes me think of Hebrews where it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us throw off the spirit of rejection that makes us feel like God doesn't see us. Let's throw off the fear of man that makes us go, oh, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to offend anybody. Let's throw off those things that entangle us so we can run with endurance, the race marked out for us, bringing glory to the Lord. 
I think of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is, it, you see, it's a, there's a picture that's painted where he sees the throne room of heaven. And it says that he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And there were angels surrounding him and elders around him saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah's response wasn't even to jump in. He says, woe is me. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And it says that the angel came and took hot coal, and he took it and he touched the lips of Isaiah. And then you hear God cry out from his throne, who will go for me? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. Isaiah is a part of our lineage. That is our spiritual grandfather. We say, here we are, Lord. Send me. Yeah, it, we see in that story this, this see, supply, send mo movement, right? We see that faced with the reality that not only was he beholding God in all of his glory, but imagine standing there recognizing the creator of all the universe knew he was in the room. And faced with the contrast of God's utter holiness and his greatness and his, his power, Isaiah is faced with this reality, I am nothing like this. But God says, no, 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 no. And I can, I can picture God just kind of flicking his finger a little bit, and that seraphim shoots over to the altar, grabs that coal and touches Isaiah's lips to supply Isaiah not only with the cleanliness, but with the words to be able to go back because he's supplied for the purpose of what God says next. Who will go for us? Who will go back to Israel? Who will go back to my people? Who will go back to the surrounding nations? Who will carry forth and say, I have seen with my own eyes the goodness of God. I have heard with my own ears the songs of the angels gathered around his throne singing holy, holy, holy. Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am. Here I not not and I'm not talking like a past. Well, I guess and here I am. I, here is me. You know, I, I grew up in, in kind of a, a, a sort of passive kind of culture where we're like, well, I guess if it's, that's what I'll do. No, Isaiah, in faced with the reality, and changed by the greatness of God, enthusiastically says, "Here I am, God. Send me. Send me." And God says, "Go. Go." Will you all stand with me? We really felt like as we approached our time together today that God wanted to do something in our midst. We felt like there were some of you who maybe that first part of just God sees me and he likes what he sees he, he loves who I am. He sees all that I have, all that I am, all that I lack, and loves me. Maybe that's you, and, and you need a touch from God. You need God to be able to, similar to what Tara said, to wrap his arms around you and to, and to tell you, I see you, son. I see you, daughter. I see your pain. I see your struggle. 
and I'm here. There is some, maybe it's that supply. You feel inadequate. You feel alone. Well, I'm here to tell you this congregation, if you take the opportunity to get involved in the community life, I'm not talking about you know, a, a program or, or, or I'm not making a plug here, but I'm talking about getting involved, introducing yourself to some people. God wants to heal you and he wants to equip you for what he wants to do in your life through the people in this room. And then finally, if, if I can have maybe some staff, some, uh, some deacons or prayer partners come forward and, just, and be prepared to, to just pray for some people, maybe that last part is, is, is what's stirring in your soul. You see the pain that others are enduring in your community. You see the need for other people to be touched by the wounded healer. You see the need in your community and you want to say, here I am, Lord. Send, here I am. Not my neighbor, not the next person, not when I get around to it, but here I am. Let it begin with me. Let the change in my community begin with me. If that's you, 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 want, you want to hear God say, I see you. You want to feel his supply or you want to, to, to be commissioned to be sent into this community, I want to invite you to come forward. Just re receive some prayer. Come down to the altar. Whatever, whatever makes you comfortable in a place where you can get alone with God and you can work this out and allow the Holy Spirit to be that healing balm in your life. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your sweet presence. God, right now where the people are, God, I pray, God, that they will sense that you see who they are. They will sense that you know them, that you desire to know them in an intimate way. For those who may be far off and may not know you, God, I pray that you will call them by your spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you will begin to turn and, and turn the hearts of those who are far away back to you. God, for the people that need to be supplied, right now I pray that you equip them with your spirit. God, I pray that from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet right now, God, that you will begin to pour out your spirit upon them. God, fill them again with your Holy Spirit. Touch that coal to our lips, O oh Lord, and make us ready to do the work you've called us to do. And God, for those who are feeling that sense of being pulled, right now, God, I pray that your spirit will rise up within them, that you will begin to place people in their minds, that they will know who they need to reach out to, God, that their ears will be tuned to what your spirit is saying, God, that they will be quick to act, they will be quick to receive, they will be quick to step forward. In the name of Jesus, do a work, God, that only you can do, because you are a enough, Lord. You are enough. It's not by our works. It's not by what we can do. It's by your spirit. In Jesus' name.